0: Do you have a big dream that you want with all your heart? When you love something that much, it's easy to let fear, self-doubt, or the countless no's we often hear as creatives overtake our love and dreams. But today's guest is someone who has never let a no define her and who has a relentless vision and fearlessness in pursuing her heart's desires. She will share her journey with you and how you too can access that same confidence to pursue your path with passion and grit. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, and multi-passionate creative. And this show is meant to give you tools to love, trust, and know yourself enough to claim your right to creativity and pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. Today's guest is Alison Kane, or as her fans know her, AK. She is a self-produced indie singer-songwriter and all-around entertainer. Known to many as the first lady of hip-hop, she has been featured with artists such as Lil Wayne, Kodak Black, Tay Money, and many more. She has amassed millions of streams on Spotify, has 6.8 million Instagram followers, and 1.7 million on TikTok. So she has successfully grown a huge following, all without the help of a major label. I first met Allison at a live show here in Los Angeles. What struck me about her was her fearlessness, her genuine interest in getting to know other people's stories, and her diehard support for live music. That's why I wanted to share her with you. From today's chat, you'll learn why you must find and follow your own North Star, how to build resilience around rejection, ways to confidently share your work, how to develop your ear as a musician, how to redefine your relationship with fear, and much more. Okay, now here she is, Allison Kane. Allison, AK, I'm so happy to be sitting here with you today. And you are just one of the most fearless people I've ever met in my life. And I love the way we met. We just met out in public and just had this connection, had a really real conversation. And then you reached out to me and were like, hey, let's get lunch. And I feel like so few people are willing to
1: do that these days. And so thank you for being here and thank you for being fearless and being my friend. Well, thank you so much. I like just kind of was drawn to you right away just because whenever we are out, it was like a music showcase and I just don't see a lot of true music lovers that just come out and see people before, you know, they blow up on TikTok and they've got their billboard charting song and stuff, you know, just seeing another person that was doing the same thing as me, which was going out there to discover music. I thought it was beautiful and I didn't want to not continue that connection. So where did this confidence and fearlessness come from? Did you have that as a little girl? Honestly, I had kind of like a very chaotic childhood. There was just like a lot of like stuff going on. I was the oldest, so I had to like handle a lot of the stuff. I kind of discovered like later on, like in my early adulthood, that I dissociate really bad and I think that's something it's caused me like a lot of weird stuff in like my relationships and life, just like at work. Pretty much what it means is like when there's too much chaos, you just mentally get yourself out of it mm. and just kind of like separate yourself from your body. It's been good and it's been bad. The bad part of it is it kind of people kind of get you wrong, especially like in what I do. You only meet a lot of people like one time. So if like I'm having like a weird day or there's a lot going on, they'll have like a bad impression of me and that's is a little sad but as far as i guess surviving some of the stuff that i went through i think that that really helped me just mm-hmm. because i was able to kind of get my head out of my own self and just kind of like go that extra mile that kind of stops people from going on
0: yeah that makes sense and it's like throughout all of your song lyrics is just like go for it i mean <laughs> i wrote down some of your lyrics cuz i'm obsessed with them and i want to get to it in a bit but <laughs> Going back to that younger version of yourself, I'm assuming like music was really a place where you could escape and really be your full self. You said you discovered music at 12. Yeah. Tell me about that. What was it like when you first realized like I have this power to create something?
1: What I love about and I think what people inadvertently love about it is it just gives you kind of like permission to speak in a way. Mm. In like my household, freedom of speech that like was not a big thing talking about Mental health and your feelings was, like, not a thing because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, as a kid, I just started to try to call out and then found myself very much, like, not saying things. In my writing, there was no one that could tell me, you know, you can't say this, you can't say that, or that's not how it happened, you remembered it wrong. That was my landscape to speak freely and in my truth.
0: And I wanted to ask you, because I did hear in your song lyrics a few times you talking about like family stuff and how there were other expectations on you, but you had to follow your own inner truth. What was it like in your household growing up when you like
1: came out and said, like, I want to be a musician. This is my dream. Honestly, there was not a lot of belief in me that I could. It was just kind of one of those things where like, you know, I was so excited about it. I would share it with like people at school and stuff like, hey, this is what I want to do they kind of give you that look like, oh God, you know what I mean? Kind of in my household, it's like where I kind of started to have that feeling like I really need to like figure out what I'm trying to say because just point blank, I was writing songs initially and certain people in my household didn't think that like I had what it took as far as like to be an artist and stuff Mm. because maybe I like didn't fit the stereotypical look about her. I didn't have the natural like voice for it. And it kind of followed me onwards in my career too, where they I went from my family wanting me just to write songs and not be the performer to now I have like labels wanting to buy my songs and pitch them and stuff. Which is wild because <laughs> you have an insanely huge following. Like, yeah. And your
0: fans are obsessed with you. Like, I like reading your comments Then they're all like AK. <laughs> well, no, they're, they're so supportive, you know? I mean, of course there's a few baddies. Cause that's just the way the world is. But like, most people are like, thank you so much. There's no other artists like this. Like, I'm an artist too, as you know, and for me, it's been nearly impossible to like get people to look at my stuff. And I didn't have the hardships you had growing up. I did have parents who like, my dad was a financial planner. So he was like, well, you know, you should have a backup plan, but he always believed in me. And so the fact that you, with the start that you had, Have found a way to believe in yourself and not only believe in yourself, but like cultivate
1: a group of people who believe in you
0: and want to follow you through everything you do.
1: You know, it kind of wasn't always like that. I found myself, I think like every artist starting off really before any of all that, the moment I had a demo recorded, I wanted to get in the hands of every label. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to give it to labels. Someone's going to believe in me and it's going to work. And, you know, I just kept hearing the same thing, you know, like I think every artist hears the same thing, you know. Get your numbers up, go play little shows, move on to the big ones and stuff. And like by the time that you do all that, it's just like, okay, so what's the label's job really? Yeah. You know? Just to collect the money. Yeah. Like what's (laughs) your job? So yeah, it's just kind of gotten to be like a crazy thing where it's like less about talented people on the radio and more about popular people on the radio. Yeah. And the more you get into it, the more you see kind of like how shiesty the business is. And a lot of people, especially the women, don't talk about, you know, all those things that go on. As you're like on your rise.
0: Yeah. So going back to your journey, I mean, I know you left home at 16 and really like moved out on your own, graduated high school early. Tell me about this time in your life and how you went from there to then being in New York and pursuing music.
1: My mom was a single mom for a long time. And she got remarried when I was around that age. The whole household dynamic was not a fit. So I was like, okay, all right, we're not going to live together in the same house. That was my sophomore year, and everyone's already starting to talk about, like, you know, okay, we're going to apply to college, blah, 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 and I just didn't want to do it, you know? I was like, I know this is not what I want to do, and no one's talking about, like, the same thing as me. Yeah. They're talking about college applications, and I'm talking about, like, going to New York and trying to, like, make it happen, and... Play little shows. And I pretty much started going to college at the same time as I was in high school, started taking college classes. Wow. So I graduated like a year early. So I graduated when I was a junior and I saved up like $5,000. And I thought it was a lot of money at the time because like I was in high school, whatever. Like, Yeah.
0: When you're 17,
1: $5,000 <laughs> is $5
0: million. Yeah. I was yeah.
1: like, okay, I'm rich. I'm going to be fine. You know, like I'll get discovered so fast. It's fine. This will literally last me a year. <laughs> That's literally what I thought. So I like went on Craigslist, which is so fucking crazy. you like at that age.
0: By the way, this is all fucking crazy at that age. I was like going to Panera Bread and having a sourdough bread bowl. At that this sounds amazing. Age. I know we should do that sometime soon. We love a Panera. <laughs> we, we Santa Panera
1: sponsor us. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can put the logo. Here. Put it right on her heart. <laughs> It was just so crazy at the time I saw this girl. She she was like, hey, renting out like a couch for $400 a month. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, $5,000, that'll, that'll last me a year. You're supposed to have like a year's worth of money to like just blow. And I went out there and it ended up being like a efficiency apartment, which is like, if you thought a studio was small, it's like an efficiency. So it's like, I don't know. When I was showering, it felt like I was hiding. (laughs) So I came there, found out that like there's going to be a guy living with us too. So there was like me, a guy and her. And I mean, we were all three of us sleeping on an L-shaped couch. I was like on the one end, the dude was on another and then she was in the middle.
0: And you didn't know any of these people prior to this?
1: No. Wow. No, not at all. And like, I mean, when they say about New York, I mean, it's better. I've been there since. Well, a little bit better. Waking up to roaches and stuff. When I say that in my songs, I'm like, I'm waking up and there's like roaches just calling up and down the wall. I mean, it's gross. So that's how I got to New York. And I just started going auditions. I auditioned for like, I mean, I can't even tell you, like every singing show. I noticed there's like a lot of Broadway. Did you stand in those like four in the morning lines to be seen? I did. I know it was cold. And like in New York, it just makes it seem like it's lit all the time. But like, I think around like 2, 3, 4 a.m. I just remember going to, can't remember the show that I was auditioning for, but I mean, there's nobody on the subways. Yeah. So like when you hear on the news now about women, like, you know, getting sexually assaulted, like on subways and stuff, in my mind, I guess when I talk to other people that haven't been there, there's like, how does that even happen in public? But I'm like, no, I mean, like there's times where it's that quiet. So I was going to audition. I've heard no, at least like two, three, 400 times for like All varying things. They never tell you, right? So then, what happens when they don't tell you? You start guessing, like why they, you know, gave you no's. I mean, when you get told no for shows, and I just remember my mom would like call me, and she would be asking me, "How's everything going?" And I'd like, I'd make up shit. I'd just be like, "Oh, everything's going great." Things weren't going good. I remember, like, the last time she called, I was like, I had like no money left. I had like, I think maybe, eighty bucks left. And this was when I'd already been there for a few months, and I had to get on a Greyhound to go back, which I don't know, like, who all knows, like, what a Greyhound is, but it's, like, a bus service. And from there to Oklahoma, it was like, a 45-hour Greyhound. I don't know if they've changed this, but, like, the one that – the situation that I was on, they are like, mandated to stop every four hours. So it took, like, three days to get home, and, like, I couldn't ever really sleep because I'm, like, I'm on a bus full of, like – you know what I mean? So. Yeah. That was like kind of like my time in New York and like what all, you know, happened there. Wow.
0: Let's go to the no's because I think that that's such an important story. You said you've heard no like thousands of times. How do you not let that two letter word that breaks so
1: many of us break your spirit? How did you keep that internal strength? I guess every time I hear no, I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like a voice within, but I just feel like life as it was, it's not worth living unless I'm going into doing what I've always wanted to do my dream. My end game has never changed. So to me, it's like life is not worth living unless this is what I'm doing, what I'm waking up to or have a chance to wake up to every day. So to me, it was either that or, you know, stop right there. And my pride just wouldn't let me stop at that point because I'd already like given up everything. Like So you're back in Oklahoma.
0: Have you made your own music to this point? So you produce your music now and you sing and you write it all. At what point did you start that in your journey?
1: When I was like 13. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was a kiddo. I started <laughs> just like way back in the day. Day They had this thing called like Fruity Loop Studio. I don't know if people still use it. I started putting together little loops of songs that I like. And then I asked my mom my money for a microphone. She's like, hell no, no way. Back then they were like, right, $80. But like single mom, three kids, it wasn't yeah. going to happen. So my uncle had like a Counter-Strike headset. It's like the little ones that you clip on when they're like shouting at each other, playing World of Warcraft or yes. whatever. <laughs> I, I would like take his late at night. Whenever he was like done with it, I would like plug it in. And I would use that to like record. And it sounded horrible, but it like made me like need to be good to yeah. make it sound good on there. Cause like if you went over a certain level, there's nothing that was going to catch you and fix that. So that's where my music, where I kind of started to like do my own thing.
0: Wow. And how has it evolved over time? Like from the Fruity
1: Loops, what was it called? Fruity Loops studio, FL studio, Fruity Loops like that. studio <laughs> to
0: what you do now. Like how did you find your style as a producer? And if somebody is trying to get
1: into that, like what would be your advice on how to develop their ear? You know, I think people either have a strong idea of what they want or they have a strong idea of what they don't want. Yeah. And me, I'm just a lover of music. I listen to everything. So I was down to do everything like rock, R&B, pop. I was down for it all. But it's only when I started working with this a r he was at Sony going to Epic or Epic I'm going to say, I can't remember what it was at this point anymore. But he started kind of developing me into like pop, R&B, kind of like showgirl, whatever. That was cool. But I was like, I don't know, this just doesn't feel right for me. So at some point I was just like, okay, this is what I don't want. So playing with different like sounds on your voice and just performing in front of the mirror, that's how I figured out that I wanted to be kind of in the rock hip hop hybrid.
0: That's what I love about you, because whenever someone asks me what my genre is, it like sends a cold sweat down my spine because I'm like, (laughs) I don't fucking know. Like That's fine. Whatever comes out. But what I love about you is you're not willing to compromise. Like you really are a hybrid. Like one minute you'll be singing a poppier hook and then the next minute you're rapping and then the next minute it's like turning into R&B. And somehow it all fits into one song. Like. How did you basically tell all the people who say you should pick one lane to fuck off? How did you get that confidence?
1: Oh, God, I don't know. (laughs) It was a very hard sell at first, even to like myself. But I just had to like figure out. I think if you already know going into it, someone's not going to believe in you or it's like maybe not their cup of tea. I think that any entertainer is going to like find a way to like make them believe in like what you're doing. Mm. I think that people are less niche than they say. Yeah. I see all the time hip-hop lovers who love certain country songs, country fanatics who love certain hip-hop songs, and I think it just boils down to whatever you're going to do, if you're best in class with it, it's going to work. And that's how I kind of like happened upon the rock and hip-hop intersect. It was a no-brainer to me. It just happened kind of on accident.
0: Can I read you some of my favorite lyrics of yours? Yes. (laughs) Okay, I love your song, No Return. Uh oh! <laughs> this is what I love because I thought it was so smart because as an artist, I never would have thought to do this. Okay. I made my money first. I got the power next. I made it through the worst invested all into myself. So you made money first, then you got power. How did you have the insight
1: to do that as a young artist? Well, I, I think literally every artist goes through this when you're starting out. There's a dark side of the music business. When you start out, there's people that are going to tell you, record at my studio. I will send it to my whatever that works at such and such records. And then five, $10,000 later, you're just like, okay. And then they're just, they keep greasing you for that. I still get these random emails, people emailing you like, you know, I work at such and such record label. And if you do this artist promo package, like it'll definitely make you look good to them. And, you know, um, it'll definitely get you a record deal. And I think everybody falls for this, especially the girls. Yeah. You know, because a lot of the time women were not conditioned to like take credit for things or to raise our voice a little bit because it seems like they are going to get blacklisted or something. And you will. But I mean, like by that person, they're going to blacklist you anyway if you're, you know, not going to do what they want. So when I say I got the money first and the power I started working really hard, like not even in music, because yeah. in music, you lose money for many years before you ever get to the even or the green. <laughs> don't I know? <laughs> we all know it. You know, I mean, like yeah. shit, I'm just like, I don't even know if I broke an even yet after all of it. So I started working like a second job, yeah. working days and nights, seven days a week, never any days off, because when I was waiting tables, I was working six days a week already, six evenings. I was making maybe 3000 a month. My rent was like a thousand. All my utilities and stuff was like another five hundred. Then by the time like my gas and phone and all that same stuff came in, it was probably like two thousand a month. At this point, I'm like, if I'm saving only between like five hundred and a thousand a month, it'll take me like a year to save up ten grand. And like with ten grand, that really doesn't get you much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if I was going to the studio and I was going in like the early mornings because nobody wanted to record in the early mornings, so I got like a better deal. It was like ten dollars off an hour or something. So by the time that was done, me recording like 10 hours a week, it was like I had no paycheck left, no money left. So I was like, okay, I got to work. I got to like get this and create my own opportunities. Yeah. So I was working and I stacked up cash and you use that to be able to get the right team, get the right promo, get your shows and everything and just do it all yourself. And it wasn't because like I was super rich or like had connections or anything It's really just out of everyone's telling me no but I'm not going to tell myself no. I'm saying yes to myself. So I'm going to save up money and make this happen. When the world is
0: telling you no, and like you see your reality. I mean, I guess this is where like the dissociation thing actually could come in quite handy because when you see your reality, but you see a different reality in your mind's eye, it can be very powerful. What is your take on manifestation and rewiring reality for yourself when it's not what you want it to be?
1: No to me is just like a moment and if there's any like musicians out there listening or anyone that's just not getting the answer that they want, just remember as most of these critics, most of all of them, they're mostly failed musicians. So take it with a grain of salt. It could be preference. It could be they've never felt powerful in their life before. So it feels great to tell someone young and beautiful or extremely talented or like a prodigy no. You almost pity them. Yeah,
0: Huh. That's <laughs> I, taking your power back.
1: <laughs> I went to like this music conference and that's what one of the nrs actually told me. She was like, honestly, most of us are field musicians. So take it with like a grain of salt. And honestly, if you, on the flip side, if you look at the people, they are letting through the gates. I mean, some of that stuff, I never would have let through the gates to the radio and stuff if like it was me. Yeah. But I don't discount that either because that's just my personal taste.
0: Right. And taste is taste. I, that's something I talk about on the show a lot. It's like, I don't like tomatoes raw, but I'm not like, all tomatoes are bad. I'm like, I don't like them. But for some reason, when it's our creative work, it's so hard to think of it that way because it feels like a piece of ourselves. When really, it's just like, if you're not someone's taste, there's literally nothing you can do about that. But it doesn't mean you're
1: bad. No, not at all. There's nothing wrong with getting precise criticism either. If there's something like, you know, Okay, I suck. Like, maybe like, do I need to dirty up the bass on this song a little bit? Do I need to like bring up my leads? Do I just need to get singing lessons? What do I need to do? And that's where you'll kind of like separate the people who are actually trying to help you and people that aren't.
0: Hey, creative. If you love the show and it has meant a lot to you, could you do me a favor? Would you share it with somebody that you care about? Your friend, your mom? your lover, whoever it is, because podcasts really are spread person to person. And I don't know about you, but the ultimate influencers in my life are my friends and family. So if all of you could share the podcast with just one person, it would make a massive difference in our creative community, grow it, and we can all help support and lift each other up and get toward our dreams even faster. So please, if you have time today and you feel so compelled, share the show with a friend. Oh, also, if you have time, feel free to like pop on over to Apple and leave it a rating and review and a rating on Spotify. Okay, love you. You say you want to redefine what's possible for a female artist not backed by a record label.
1: Why is that important to you? It's important to me because if you look at some of the biggest artists now, it's not always just because, you know, they're extremely talented. It's because there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the back end and no one ever talks about that. Mm -hmm. Making your own opportunities, I think is a big part of that. I mean, gosh, I don't even know where to start with this. I could write a whole book on this one. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. I want to hear it. I want to know how did you do it? Because you yourself, obviously you've got the music, you've got the chops, but like growing the social following you have and the following on Spotify you have and YouTube, all these different places and your people convert everywhere. It's incredible. <laughs> how did you do that? Like, What was your approach to creating a following and like really empowering yourself?
1: I just kind of thought what makes me actually like an artist. And it's not because they're famous. It's because usually the artists I end up liking the most, the ones that be going like the hardest are like the underground artists, which is usually my friends. Yeah. So if it looks like an advertisement going on, like there's songs blowing up the charts, I kind of just like ignore that. I kind of go off of who I connect with, like niche wise on a personal level, like me and you, for instance, I would be more likely to repost yours than, you know, any number of other people who are established or whatever. So I kind of took that approach with social media too.
0: Yeah. I just want to give you a little shout out because you are so willing to see other people. And it's something that a lot of people, especially in the city, just don't do. They, maybe they say they're going to do something, but then they don't do it. But Preach. you really... <laughs> like even Maddie who we we met at her show you were like wow she was like such a beautiful artist i was blown away and i just thought you know you don't hear people gassing each other up enough and when we sat down for lunch you were even like okay how can i help you like what's standing in the way of you getting what you want let's figure this out and that's what i'm always trying to do for people and i so rarely meet someone who genuinely wants to see other people achieve their dreams. And with the hardships you've gone through and like how much you've had to be your own advocate, like you don't really have any reason to want to do that. But I love that that's your heart and that's what you lead with. Where does that come from? And just speak on that because I think it's such a beautiful
1: quality. Well, firstly, I was in like Catholic school all the way up until like I think third or fourth grade, then moved on to the public system, like in middle schools, like sixth, seventh grade. And When I got there, like, I was just, like, so different. Like, everything was just, like, so different. In a bad way, or I went from, like, being in a class of, like, 20-ish to, like, a class of, like, I think, 200, 300-ish. Wow. So very big as far as, like, my whole grade level. And I had a hard time fitting in. I couldn't find my niche because there's, like, you know, the gothic kids, the preppy ones, the cheerleaders. I didn't know where to fit in. I didn't grow up in the same neighborhoods as them. But I didn't have that connection to anybody. Yeah. So sitting down at tables was hard, kind of like because I couldn't find anyone to sit with. I ended up actually just accidentally brought my lunch tray into the bathroom with me. like, And then like I got done washing my hands. I was sitting on the sink and I was like. Well, I really don't want to go back out there because I've known to sit with. So I think I'm just going to eat in this lunch stall. So come my next year of schooling, I worked at my aunt's. She had like a little smoothie thingy that I worked at over the summer. I saved up money. I had like a couple hundred bucks. That's a lot for being like, you know, in eighth grade, whatever. And I would see people that like I hadn't seen before. And like when I walked over and I'd be like, you know, hey, here's some like food. I had extra or something. Like, oh, my God, thank you. And they'd like let me sit with them.
0: Mm. Yeah. You know, what you've kind of done is like taken your pain and turned it into purpose. Like that's what you did when you were younger. But what you're doing now is like you see somebody who's an underdog and being left out the way you were when you were a young girl. And you're like, you know what? It doesn't have to be like that. What can we do to help you not have to do the artist's equivalent of eating lunch in the bathroom? And it's beautiful because so many people let their pain turn them to bitterness But what you've done is taken your pain and turned it into generosity. So thank you for doing that.
1: Well, thank you for being awesome and receptive and, you know, actually like going to lunch with me, you know. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we were together for like three hours that day. That was great. I remember what we talked about fully. You could probably like recall it, but I'm like, I don't remember really.
0: I remember the energy more than what we talked about. Ditto. I mean, I think we talked about relationships. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, we talked about our careers, (laughs) our failed relationships. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many. I mean, finally in a good one, but man, it was was rough getting here. So, I mean, I want to circle back to your fearlessness and like this deep internal power you've always had that no matter the circumstances around you, you've just had this laser point vision and you're like, I am not going to do something else. This is my destiny. The thing I would love my listeners to walk away with today is like just even like 1% of that piece of you. What do you think we could share with them that would help them feel a little bit more
1: confident in their skin? When people don't believe, I mean, just find a way to make them believe. And I think that uh mental health is like not very talked about. It should be more talked about. And just know that you're allowed to feel however you want about something. You can't overreact or underreact. It's just like a genuine reaction. And speaking of
0: mental health, like that's something I talk about on the podcast a lot. I'm like the first person for sure in my family to talk about mental health. We have a history of mental illness in my family. It's something I've been very open about. I love therapy. How do you tend to your mental health today?
1: I keep a schedule in everything I do. I think that's what helps you not get overwhelmed. Cause if you're literally able to see it on paper, you know when your breaks are. I think the not knowing. When you're going to get to land is a big part of it. So I think just literally having a calendar helps so much in like managing all of that. Mm, Okay.
0: So calendar and like writing everything out so you don't put too much into your schedule.
1: Exactly. Okay. If you know what it is, it's easier to like manage and not be overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. I once heard this guy who's an organization expert say a brain is a bad place for an office. And I thought that was a really – I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I guess I'll start writing things down.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. That's actually a great idea. And I love that you do that. And you're you're very like schedule driven. So I think that's why I have to be. I, I got it Miss Busy. Miss Busy. <laughs> that's me.
0: That's Miss Busy. I love it. What are you most excited about right now?
1: What do you wake up and you're like,
0: yeah,
1: I don't know. Just the fact that I'm here. I've got some really big collaborations going on musically that I'm excited to share with everybody. It's funny. I kind of came to L.A. with like the desire to pursue the next stage of my music in a different way. But L.A. just kind of like spoke to me and gave me something different, a different route for it. So I'm happy to be here. I I don't think I ever want to leave. <laughs> I won't leave unless I run out of money or like I go on tour. That's the only time that I'm going to leave. <laughs> well, I was supposed to
0: be here for four months and it's been 12 years. So
1: I know. Right. You're well, um, hopefully we can make it another 12 years, you know.
0: That's right. Let's get to 24, baby.
1: That's right. <laughs>
0: Like, tell me, what is it that L.A. has given you? Like, what is the energy here that has been good and different from Oklahoma?
1: In Oklahoma, I was like such an like an odd, different person. I think the fact that I just come here and I just feel like I'm among my own. I can't put my finger on what it is, but I just feel like the energy is the same. My mission's the same as everybody else here. We're all trying to like work towards something. So I think I like that. Yeah, that's my favorite thing
0: about here because I was home in Michigan. I think we talked about this at the lunch. I was home in Michigan for a lot of the pandemic and I had to leave there in the end because nobody was dreaming. And besides the weather here, my favorite thing is that everyone's dreaming and open to the fact that their life could change. And I just always want to be thinking that way. So I have two final questions for you, AK. One of them is you just have such a presence to you and I know I've said it a million times. I'm like, just like sound like a broken record, but I don't care. It's true. Like the thing I'm most struck by with you is that you don't seem afraid of anything or anyone and you own your worth when you walk into a room. And sometimes I can really feel myself shrink. Like when I meet certain people, like I just don't feel good enough and I'm like, oh, I should just like defer to them and like let them shine. So I guess maybe I'm asking for advice for myself, but also for people who are like me who go into that shrinking mode when they start to feel like they're not good enough. How can I and people like me start to own my power more and speak with more confidence about what I do?
1: Well, just know that whatever it is that you're going for, the very worst thing that you can ever hear is no. And honestly, most people are too like wrapped up in their own shit to really care about anybody else. I don't know. There's just such a pressure to, to speak and say like certain things. There's no reason for you to feel that way ever don't be afraid to like think before you go into a room and just get yourself mentally right
0: so you read the room and you read the energy of the room and then you start bringing yourself to the room that's good I usually don't pause I'm just like (laughs) (laughs) I think I was like that when I met you for sure I was like I don't know I'm trying to figure it out (laughs) I know yeah I remember that day very clearly (laughs) so this is my final question I really believe creativity is connected to the inner child and you're bold from the beginning, but you know, when you were 16, you really stepped out and said like, I'm going to take care of myself and take a chance on myself. And I'm curious if you and that version of yourself were standing in the same room looking at each other, what do you think
1: she would say to you today and why? I don't know. You made it bitch. (laughs) Or thank God it wasn't for nothing. (laughs) That's my guess. And what would you say to her and why? I'd say, we're going to make it, bitch. (laughs) We're going to make it. We're going to make it. It's going to be fine. Mm, Beautiful. All the shit you're about to have to do is worth it. And you're worth it.
0: Thank you for coming and unleashing your inner creative.
1: I appreciate you. I adore you and admire you. Love you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My first podcast ever.
0: Really? Oh yeah. my gosh. I'm so honored. This is a
1: huge day. This is my P card. Podcast card.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening and thanks to my guest, Allison Kane. For more info on Allison, follow her at @iamallisonkane Kane and check out her music on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your music. Thanks to Rachel Fulton for helping edit this episode. Follow her at Rachel M. Fulton. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag the guests at I am Kane so they can share as well. My wish for you this week is that you approach your dreams with an absolute relentless vision. Just keep asking and opening doors until that no becomes a yes. Even if you're the one that has to give the yes to yourself, you can do it. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.